0: Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Tonight I'd like to speak to you on the subject, Being the Church. Jesus Christ gave us an unconditional promise in a conditional world. Matthew 16, 18 is this unconditional promise that upon this rock He will build His church. There are promises in the Bible that are conditional based on our response of obedience. Conditional promises given by God say, If you will, I will the Lord gives us the opportunity to be a part of the solution. In this message, I will not take the time to discuss conditional and unconditional promises, but when God Almighty decrees an unconditional promises, the gates of hell can never prevail against those promises. Matthew 16:18 is an unconditional promise. Jesus Christ will. Build his church, and nothing hell can do can stop it. I want to read it again, Matthew 16, 18. And I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are part of God's church that will triumph over all in the end. And if you would like to listen or watch, listen to or watch an entire message on the church, I want to point you to a message that I preached on uh, the church on February the 11th, 2018. It is called Built on the Rock. It is archived on our website and also on our church app. And I was interested as I went back to watch the beginning of that message that I began by talking about the uncertainty of our world. At that time, there was a government shutdown, and the stock market was down. And so that's how I begin my message on Built on a Rock. So that is a timely message, and I encourage you to go back and watch it. Today, I will not try to delve too deeply into this concept of the church, but that message may strengthen you at this time. But we all agree that it makes good sense to be a part of the church. The choice to be in the church is yours. God's church is predestined, but people or individuals are not predestined. The choice to get in the church is your choice. You do not join the church, but you are reborn into the church. When you turn from your sins in repentance, when you're baptized in water by immersion, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, which is a language you never learn. That initiation into the church is called the new birth, and many messages archived on our websites would point you to the message of salvation. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 in your Bible can give you that concise message In the book of Acts. Now, the choice to remain in the church is also yours. Jesus has done his part and will continue to do his part to keep you saved, but you need to make the decision to to stay connected to Jesus Christ and also to his church. And it is not just the decision alone, but it's the actions that follow that decision that keep you in the body of Christ. In our church, we've been talking about prayer, worship, fellowship with God. We've been talking about the importance of engrafting the Word of God through reading, study, memorization, and meditation. It's important to be obedient to God through His Word and through His Spirit and, of course, connecting with His body, the church. There's an entire Bible written to help you get saved, and then stay saved. Now the church was designed to be gathered together for worship and instruction. The church is God's body of believers in the earth. There is the universal church all around the world throughout the ages. Then there is the visible local church. And as a local church, we value coming together as the church for church. We do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And as the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. And I can't wait till they tell us it's safe to go or come into the house of the Lord again. But for now, for the first time in human history, our generation can go to church online. Imagine what took place in eras gone by when the church was scattered or distanced and people could not gather for worship. There was no technology to allow them to do what you're doing right now to watch God's church in action online. I appreciate the technology to do this, and I thank our leadership team, our board of trustees for having a vision to invest the resources to be able to have church in a quality level online. And I appreciate everyone who serves to build the infrastructure for this to make this possible. I want to take a few moments to address the rationale from staying away from public gatherings at this time. I believe it's important to realize that boldness and wisdom can go together just like faith and works, and I want to assure you that as a pastor and as a district leader taking responsibility for the decisions that we make, uh, not unilaterally but collectively and in a collaborative fashion, we take this very seriously and uh, our team is on the same page in what we're doing. We've heard from people who are totally against gathering for church and then there are others who think we lack faith and courage because we are assembling online only. And I know people that have faith, great faith, who are very sick right now. So you have to live by and die by your faith, but do not place others at risk who may not have your same level of faith or may not be willing to die by the faith of exposing themselves to a virus. It's one thing to choose for yourself, but we as a collective body of Christ, as a corporate body of about a thousand people, when we make decisions, we make those decisions for the collective body of Christ. And there are other churches and leaders that are looking at our church, as well as other churches, to know what to do at times like this. I was sent an article yesterday about how Pentecostals responded to the 1918 Spanish influenza Epidemic, From 1918 to 1919, an estimated 500 million people worldwide contracted what we now know as the H1N1 virus. 50 million people died as a result of that virus and 675,000 people died in the United States alone. Churches and ministers complied with health department mandates to close their meetings and to quarantine if they were sick. They recognized that they needed to protect people in the cities where they lived. On several occasions, ministers canceled revival meetings because the influenza was spreading across their town. As spirit and power believers considered how to respond in that current crisis, There were two things they did. First, as human beings, they endured the worst flu pandemic to that point in history. And although they believed in healing, they didn't claim that their faith would protect them from this disease. Some of them caught the flu and some died. Yet those Pentecostals in those early days, they continued to believe that God was a healer. They preached that and they persevered through that season. Secondly, they recognized that for a while their services needed to be interrupted, but private prayer and personal ministry did not end even at a time like that. As I was praying about this whole idea of what I would say to you in this Bible study tonight, I felt like the Lord reminded me of a couple of important passages in His Word. You may remember that when Jesus was tempted, Matthew Chapter 4 records this, that the devil took Jesus to the holy city. He set him on the pinnacle of the temple and he said, If you are the Son of God, if you're really who you say you are, then cast yourself down because... And then Satan started quoting the Bible. It is written, He shall give His angels charge over thee, concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against the stone. What Satan was saying to Jesus was, if you're really spirit-filled and if you're really the Son of God, then why don't you put yourself at risk and do something to see if God will intervene for you. Jesus wisely responded from the Word of God in Matthew 4 and 7 when Jesus said, Unto him it is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. We should not put God in a position of intervening for us when we knowingly place ourselves in harm and danger. Adam Clark, a commentator on the Bible, said, To expose myself to any danger naturally destructive with the vain presumption that God will protect and defend me from the ruinous consequences of my imprudent conduct, is to tempt God. Do you remember that Jesus said in Matthew sixteen seventeen? And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. The apostle Paul took up a serpent, but not on purpose. Acts 28 records this story. They had been shipwrecked. They were on an island. Paul gathered sticks to build a fire. And from out of that fire, a venomous beast, a snake, reached out and and latched onto Paul's hand, bit him, And the people who watched him, those pagans on that island, said, look at this man, he's escaped the vengeance of the sea, but now he's going to die because he must be a terrible man. And so they sat and watched as Paul continued to take care of other people after this storm. And Paul shook the snake off in the fire. And the Bible says when he should have swollen and fallen down dead, no harm came to him and The people thought he must be a God and not a man. It's amazing how fickle people are. And I thought that maybe right now would be a good time for us to begin practicing what some of other churches do, that we would handle snakes. Since you're watching online, you're at a safe distance. I'm only kidding, of course. But I want you to see the wisdom of the Bible. That Paul handled the serpent, but not intentionally. And it is my belief that those who do these things as an act of worship or faith are tempting God. They are putting themselves unnecessarily at risk. And certainly in the Bible, Paul did not purposely handle a snake. I'm not aware of churches that practice drinking poison as Jesus said any deadly thing. And there is not an example in the Bible and in the New Testament that I'm aware of. The power over danger is different from being presumptuous or tempting God. We are spear-filled, but we are not in a glorified body. And there are people who may criticize churches who assembled a couple weeks ago, and they may criticize us for not assembling. We believe that God can protect us from poisonous snakes and deadly poison, but it would be presumptuous and foolish to tempt God. So I just want to assure you, in case it's crossed your mind, we are doing this out an abundance of caution for the protection of our people and in compliance with good reason as COVID-19 has spread rapidly around our country, even to spirit-filled and faith-filled apostolic people. I said something on Sunday that may have put some of you in question about me personally, To my knowledge, I've not come in contact with someone who is carrying the virus or has any symptoms at all. I was only making the point that as we've interacted with other people, all of us certainly can wonder if we've been in contact with someone who has this potentially deadly virus, and we should not minimize it. I sent an email yesterday uh, that referred to Martin Luther, that reformer, who made famous a statement that just shall live by faith. He said this, Martin Luther, in the 14th century when the bubonic plague began its march across Europe, over 50% of Europe's population eventually succumbed to that terrible disease, and uh, it was probably seen the most, as the most devastating pandemic in human history. And during an outbreak in his hometown of Wittenberg, Germany, Martin Luther documented his approach to navigating those harrowing days. He wrote a letter to his friend and Martin Luther said, Therefore I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, and minister medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance infect and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. He said, if God should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I will have done what is expected of me and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. He said, if my neighbor needs me, however... I shall not avoid place or person, but will freely go as stated above. He said, see, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor full hearted nor does it tempt God. Martin Luther was practicing social distancing before it was a thing, and uh, I'm glad that he did. So with these somewhat connected thoughts about coming to church, I want to encourage you in this season where we cannot come into the house of the Lord. We're not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together doctrinally. But while we are separated from the house of God and we cannot come to church, I want to talk to you about the importance of being the church. Just because we cannot attend church does not mean that the church has suddenly gone out of business and does not exist. In homes and businesses all around the world, God's church is alive and well. Jesus is continuing to build His church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Right now, perhaps more than at any time in my lifetime, it is imperative that we be the church in the world. We've been saying that we should do the best of things in the worst of times. That we should sing our song in a strange land. Certainly we should make the best of a bad situation. Jesus told us that the church has tremendous influence in the world. Matthew five thirteen, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? your Father, which is in heaven. Now salt has a lot of powerful attributes. It can be a preservative. It can create thirst. But in the context of this passage, and I've taught on this many times, but I feel more clearly than ever before that salt adds flavor. When you put salt on food, it changes the taste of food. And as Jesus said in Matthew 5.13, we are the salt of the earth. We add a distinctive flavor to a flavorless world. And where the church is, we are making a difference. So now, more than ever before, we should not remove ourselves from places of influence because we are the additive in the world that has a powerful, game-changing, taste-changing influence and our influence should not be removed we are the light of the world in times like this we have seen many heroes both people of faith and just good people in our world who are stepping up and doing the best of things in the worst of times there's a lot of goodness in people that is revealed in times of crisis and i thank god for everyone He was doing anything to alleviate suffering in our world and to lend a helping hand to people in need right now. But the church should not be on the fringes of these efforts. We are the light of the world. As Jesus said in verse 14 of Matthew 5, We are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. Jesus placed us in a conspicuous location where we can be seen at a great distance. People should know that we are followers of Jesus Christ. And more than ever before, we can be that light, though at times we must be that light in a virtual way, not in a personally present way. We need to be the light of the world in the darkness and despair Of our world at this time. We should shine in such a way. As Jesus said in verse 16. Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works. And glorify your father. Which is in heaven. You see we represent Jesus on this earth. And it is our good works. Our good godly deeds. That allow people to see Jesus Christ in us. So I would like to. In the next few moments, in this season of crisis and worldwide pandemic, I would like to share with you some practical ways that we can be the church at an hour like this. First, I'd like to recommend that you practice virtual visits. Now, the Bible is clear that we should visit the fatherless and the widows and their afflictions. Jesus said, I was sick And you visited me, so right now it is not advisable that you visit someone with COVID-19. But aren't you glad that you can visit them by a text message, by a phone call. You can visit them by engaging them in a FaceTime call, by email. You can find a way to connect with them. I was thinking about how people connected in Bible days when they could not be there in person I know that Titus comforted Paul by his presence. But Paul had said in the book of Romans that he wanted to visit the Christians in Rome, but he had been hindered in going. So because Paul cannot go in person, he wrote a letter. That letter is called the book of Romans. And we have it today for our encouragement and strength and theology because Paul did what he could do when he couldn't do what he wanted to do. I want to encourage you to check on people who are alone in this season. They're flying solo. They may not have family or friends connected to them. Maybe they've relocated to the Atlanta area and are not connected with many people. I want you to think about people that you see in church who right now you're not able to see in person. If each of us would reach out to a few more people, literally thousands of people, can be strengthened and encouraged at this time. So I want to ask you to participate in virtual visits. Now, some of you may not be home alone. Some of you may not be stuck with your children in a house. But I'd like for you to think of other people and do what you can to practice some virtual visits. We've been receiving prayer requests because of an email we sent to our church family and I thank you for sending prayer requests to prayer at awpc.org. I want to tell you a story about one of our precious members, Sister Miriam Knight. She was influential in bringing Laquelle Johnson to our church. Laquelle came for the first time, according to our records, on October the 4th in 2015. In September on the 10th, she graduated, this is in 2017, She graduated from Welcome to the Family. Right now Laquelle's father is very sick and we called his name in prayer today. But we know about that because Miriam Knight has been checking on Laquel Johnson and seeing how she's doing. And Miriam has been informing our church team how to pray for this family at a difficult time. Thank you, Sister Miriam, for being salt and light in this world. I'd like to encourage you To do acts of kindness for friends or neighbors who may not be able to leave their home. You could pick up food for them, find food or order food. I'm not encouraging you to do something that is risky for your health. Maybe you can arrange delivery to go to their home. Uh, My wife and I sent some money to someone last night through Apple Pay that we know is in a very difficult time. There's a way to do acts of kindness for people. And then, I would like for you to share our services and the devotions that we're posting with your friends, with families, and with coworkers. I'd like for you to let this reverberate in our world because we're doing our best to share the good news of Jesus Christ with you so you can then share it with people that you know. We're aware of guests who are watching online. And as I told you on Sunday, we have people who are guests to our church who are receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost by watching online. At this time, I'd like to encourage you to speak faith and not fear. Acknowledge this crisis. Be wise and don't tempt the Lord, but walk in faith and speak faith. We know that faith, hope, and love are three great godly attributes, and we want to love people, we want to have hope that this will end, and we want to speak faith into the hearts of people who are fearful right now. Connect with people and express words of encouragement and faith. Finally, I want to encourage you to be very prayerful, because there is nothing at this time more powerful than prayer. We know that the Word of God is not bound and that prayer can penetrate into any heart and it can go places where we physically cannot go. Pray privately, pray with your family. Our General Superintendent, Brother David Bernard, encouraged us to move from fear to faith and from panic to peace. That we should do what Philippians 4, 6 and 7 tell us, to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And if we will do that, the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's ask God to protect, to heal, to supply needs of individuals and also churches. In a time of what we may consider a plague... Pray, pray for salvation that God would heal our land. Pray for the peace of our city as I preached about on Sunday from the book of Jeremiah 29.7. Pray for our civic and our medical professionals that God would be with them. Pray with people over the phone by FaceTime on calls. Pray for people everywhere. I'd like to share with you an amazing story also from one of our members. Josh Austin Jr. is a part of our church family. He and Becca are involved in ministry. But Josh is also a registered nurse who works in the emergency room of Piedmont Hospital in Noonan. Josh and his coworkers are on the front lines of dealing with COVID-19 patients and there is legitimate fear there. A phobia is an unfounded fear. But rational fear is based on reality. Josh texted me yesterday and said that he wanted to share a cool story of these troubling times. Yesterday, before their morning team meeting, he asked his emergency department manager if he could have a word of prayer with their team. She said it was okay, but they'd have to go to the EMS Bay Area in case there was someone who didn't want to be a part. So during the team meeting that was held right there in the middle of the ER with 30 to 40 people in attendance, she gave Josh the opportunity to invite anyone who wanted to pray to join him. After the meeting, Josh went into the EMS Bay and at first there were just a handful of people and then it began to fill up until people were packed in there. Josh said, I I said a couple of words about strengthening us as healthcare workers and protecting us as well as giving us peace and peace to our families that are scared during these uncertain times. And then we prayed and went about our day. You see, Josh spoke of faith and not fear, and then he prayed. He said later that day he noticed that one of the secretaries that he's very well connected to in the community posted about that prayer meeting on Facebook. And the response, he said, was nothing short of amazing. She said, thank you, Josh, for the prayer. It helped me get through the long day in the isolation area. Other co-workers posted about it as well. I told you that fear is founded. It is not a phobia. And we've made the right call. Josh told me about going to service online. Josh said, sometimes difficult situations in them. We find it hard to find God, but He is always in control and through these times, he's at work. Josh said, it's been amazing to see God mobilized outside the four walls of our church. I know it's something we always strive to do, that people aren't always receptive. But in times like these, people are looking for peace and comfort, and we have to be there and show them Jesus. I let Josh know how proud I was of him, and I thanked him for sharing his story, and I told him that, and got permission to, to share it with you in my message tonight. Josh said, this has definitely opened a door that I will continue to do on my shift. Josh said, I've had many people approach me afterward and say that they appreciated the prayer and would like for it to continue. He gave me permission to share a picture that was also posted on Facebook. This is from today. Here is a picture of the people that are standing there in that EMS bay They are praying to God that the Lord would strengthen them. You see, there are people that work in this hospital that have already been affected by COVID-19. But I thank God for someone who is speaking faith, who is doing what they can, and who is praying that God would work at a time like this. You see, while the devil would love to use this crisis to attack the church and destroy it, we believe that God is turning it around for good. Because in times of distress, the church has always been at its best. And I believe by the help of God that we are learning to sing a song in a strange land. And if you are not watching church on Sunday, I am referring to my message there. I'd like to give you some homework. I know some of the kids are doing homework at home right now, and that may be a bad word. But right now, what can you do? I'd like for you to share with us online while you're watching watching right now. Some of the things that you are doing, or that you know someone else is doing, to be the church, to be the church in this season of the coronavirus crisis. Share something heroic or helpful that someone is doing, post it online right now. And I'd like to encourage you right now to look for every possible opportunity to be the church. Because our prayer in this season right now is to ask God to let His kingdom come and let His will be done.